0: Tonight's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17, and you'll find this on page 1083 of the Church Bibles. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. my command is this love each other as I have loved you greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give you this is my command love each other this is the word of the Lord
1: well good evening everybody So, let's just pray before we turn to God's Word. Gracious God, our Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You for all it teaches us of the wonder of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You that He is the one in whom You find all Your delight. And we pray tonight, as we open it together, that You will instruct us, encourage us by Your Spirit. Help us to speak well of Christ. Glorify him, honour him, that all may redound to your glory. We ask it for your name's sake. Amen. Oh, it's on a piece of blue tack. That's why it wouldn't move, sorry. (laughs) Well, as we continue in this um, series, uh, these few chapters of John's Gospel, Wonderful series, poignant series, really, very poignant words from the lord um, as as he traced his way to calvary and and as the the uh, disciples uh, were with him and this particular chapter there they were crossing probably crossing the Kidron Valley um, to to go up towards the garden of Gethsemane um, and and the Lord was speaking to them and it's it's clear here that they were raptured with what they were listening. There's no mention that anyone asked a question. And it's quite often told us when the disciples have asked questions of the Lord, they've pointed something out or or asked for a point. But here, there's no interruption at all. No questions, no statements. Just the word of this glorious man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And chapters 15 and 16 is concerned with the, the new life of the believer. He was soon to leave them Uh, And and, uh, he was instructing them as to how their lives should be lived uh, while they were still on this earth. And if there's one thing alone that we remember from tonight, or we remember from tonight, it's that fruit-bearing is only possible if we're united to Christ. Fruit-bearing in our lives is only possible if we are united to Christ. There is no other way of bearing fruit for God but being in Christ and, and what a wonderful thing it is. Uh, I, I, we have a little wooden thing, some of you have been to Keswick and you probably know the uh, the word on wood stall in, in the Keswick and, the, and the, it's lovely because the the man there picks up old bits of wood from the forest round about and and he, he treats it and then he uh, burns into it a text from Scripture and we've got, uh, we've got about four or five of them uh, around our house and they're lovely um, but uh, the verse from colossians 1 i particularly love it it just sits on the uh, the 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 uh, by the window christ in you the hope of glory christ in you the hope of glory he's our hope to come he's our hope now he's our hope every day of our lives and we need to abide in him and have our relationship with him absolutely built on the solid rock that he is. But you know, the idea of the vine that we've read about in Pippa, thank you for reading it, Pippa. The idea of the vine, we need to spend just a a few minutes, two or three minutes. Where does it come from? Why did the Lord Jesus suddenly say I'm the true vine? Um, They would have been instructed to a degree in that. Uh, They would have known that it was an Old Testament concept. Remember, there was no Bible as such in those days but there were scriptures that they would have looked back to. And it was an Old Testament concept. And if you look in Psalm 80, you'll find it talks about Israel as being a prosperous vine out of Egypt. God had in wonderful grace redeemed them from captivity. He had laid up for them treasures in store that should have been theirs to enjoy. They were to be a prosperous vine. They were to be prosperous for him. They were to bring glory and honour to the great name uh, of God. But then as you go on in that psalm, in Psalm 80, you'll begin to see that it's not quite uh, as God had intended or God had planned that things should be. And, and the vine is, the psalmist writes, the vine having become broken and burnt. And though there was still one branch which uh, which has taken particular note of, and that was a branch which represented the branch of Judah, out of which, of course, The Lord Jesus himself came, a strong branch it refers to in Psalm 80. But overall in that psalm, Israel is seen as a degenerate vine to God. Prosperous vine out of Egypt, but become a degenerate vine to God. A God, a a vine that was of no use to him. And what was the cause of their, 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 their undoing, if you like? Well, I'm going to suggest you the cause of their undoing was no different than the cause of yours and my undoing when we get away from the Lord Jesus, when we leave Christ out of our lives, when we start to go our own way and we start to please ourselves. Our faith quickly becomes cold, at least mine does. I don't know about you. I'm sure we're all the same. And we begin to feel cold in our faith. They forsook the Lord, as a result of which they lost all joy and happiness. They should have been a rejoicing, exultant people, brought out of slavery. And God never brings you out of anything, you know, without fully intending to bring you into something much, much better. It's not that he brought them out of slavery and left them in the wilderness. That's not my God. And that's not what the Bible talks about. And it's the same with each one of us. He's brought us out of sin, if we know and love the Lord, in order that he might bless us with limitless, fathomless Wonderful, eternal blessing. Out of one thing, into something infinitely better. But they've forsook the Lord. they would lost all joy and happiness. And though they realise that they must have something to fill that void that they'd left in their lives. And Jeremiah tells us in chapter 2, he said they tried all sorts of things, and, 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 and there it said they hewed out cisterns for themselves, Uh, almost to fill with water, if you like, a cistern, but uh, like the hymn writer said, they tried and I tried those cisterns, Lord, but the waters were dry. There was nothing to satisfy, and in that old hymn, uh, I Tried the Broken Cisterns, it goes on in the chorus, it gives the answer of what you and I miss. Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me, there's love and life And lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. And in him alone is love and life and lasting joy. And Israel missed it altogether. They turned to the world, so much so that Isaiah in chapter 5 said, they didn't bring forth grapes as a vine should. They brought forth wild grapes. And Hosea says that Israel has become an empty vine. He brings forth fruit only to himself. Now, I'm going to say straight away, does that mean, and, and, and so God, the Lord Jesus introduces himself as the, the true vine uh, in, in our reading. But, you know, if you read Romans 9, 10, 11, you'll find it says, Paul says, does that mean he's cast away Israel forever? Absolutely, definitively not. There is a faithful remnant that you can read about in chapter 11, that God is going to bless them with blessing. But there are many, many, many who are lost. As a nation, they turned their backs upon God. And as a nation, in Matthew chapter four, we read that uh, parable about the vine dresser there, who went away to a far country. Remember, he dealt with it a few weeks ago. And there were various people came in, and they didn't do anything. They did nothing when he came back, and he said, "Maybe I'll send my son. Possibly they'll reverence him." and what did they say? And as a nation, Israel said it sadly, dreadfully, awfully, this is the heir, come let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. Israel is still set aside because of their wickedness. They've become an empty vine. So the Lord Jesus comes in and he says, I'm the true vine. I'm the one in whom you should put your trust. And my father is the husbandman the vine dresser, if you like, there was another word, I'm not sure what it was um, in, 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 in the version that you read, doesn't matter. The vine dresser, now, I'm not a gardener, but I do love visiting vineyards. Um, not just because it's good to taste, sometimes, the produce, but, but I, I'm, I'm not the sort of person who understands anything about dressing a vine. But I do know that the branches of a vine, once they get a bit old and a bit withered, tend to flop. And, and at the beginning of this, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The word takes away, then, is he lifts up, actually, in the, in the original. He lifts it up, because as long as it's flopped down, and as long as you and I feel flopped down in our, uh, in our relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not going to be of much use to him, because nothing can get through. And you look at a tree when it's dried, as some are in this last day or so, They're flopped down. They need lifting up. They need encouraging. They need the the, the sap to be able to flow through. And if they're down that kinked, no sap can get through. And so to be alive for Christ, to be effective for him, to bring forth fruit, the husbandman goes round, the vine dresser goes round, and he lifts up the branches that are fallen down. And don't you feel sometimes in your life that you need lifting up when your branch has fallen down? I do, I do, every, I was going to say every day, I, I, I didn't mean that, but at one time or another every day I need lifting up. None but Christ can do it. Only he can satisfy, only he can bring life into that wilting branch that you and I so easily drift into. My father is the husbandman, said the Lord Jesus, he is the one in control. It's the Son, the Lord Jesus, I, the true vine, who, control, who conveys and channels this life. Uh, and it's by the power of the Spirit as he uh, works in and through us. But it's the Lord alone, let's get this right, it's the Lord alone who brought forth fruit for the husbandman in this, this uh, account that the Lord gives. He only, none but Christ can satisfy. But it's his joy, not only to bring forth fruit for his father, but he's the source of fruit in others, in you and me, he is saying in these verses. Every branch, he says in verse 2, in me. And we must take note of that. There is no other way. Branches, if they are not in the true vine, the main stem will bring forth nothing. And so it is in our lives. If, if, if we get droopy, if we get a bit kinked, if for one reason or another that branch gets a bit snapped or a bird pecks it in the wrong place, it becomes not irredeemable, often, but pretty useless for the time. The branch must be in Him, the true vine, in order to bring forth fruit. And for us to bring forth fruit for God, We must remain in Christ, in the Lord Jesus. Now, again, let's remind ourselves, this is an earthly union. The Lord is talking about when he's gone away. He's talking about the time to come for his disciples over coming days, when they are to remain in this, uh, uh, when they are to reside in the power of what the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, by the power of his Spirit that he was to give. No vine is spoken of in heaven in that sense at all. The Lord wasn't glorified, so there's not, when we read later about the unity of the body of Christ, this is not what the Lord was talking about. The Lord was talking about life on earth for those disciples that was to come, those days that were to come. And the union speaks, the union that he talks about, therefore could be dissolved And, and in fact, was dissolved in the case of one, he says, if anyone does not abide me, he's cast out as a branch. Was he talking about Judas? Well, it's supposition, but it's very reasonable supposition, I think, to think about that. But, you know, if we fail to bring forth fruit, we can be set aside for a while until the husbandman has done his duty, done his work, on his activity, oh God grant that that isn't something that needs to be done in our lives. God grant that in his grace and in his love and in his kindness, he will so work within our hearts and lives by his Spirit alone in order to maintain the sap, the life flowing through from the main stem. But it depends on our abiding in him we have a part to play as well. We can make the choice as to whether uh, our faith... No, not, not I won't say it that way. We, 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 we can allow ourselves to get into a situation where this isn't the case and the sap doesn't flow through and the power doesn't thro- flow through and, 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 and the fruit becomes wilted and dried and a little bit frazzled around the edges. And, uh, you know, it's, it's lovely in the Middle East, isn't it, sometimes, and if you travel in the Middle East at all, but if you do, when, when everything's going right and the, the temperature's right and the water's been right and so on, and, and you get it in the Mediterranean area as well, to to pick the fruit fresh off a tree. And it always reminds me, I, I often talked to Mary when we were talking, walking in the Sierra Nevada uh, about three or four years ago, the figs were out in September, and just to, I hope the farmer wasn't looking, but but I have to confess, we picked one or two figs. Mary probably picked more than I did. I'm sure she would have done. <laughs> um, but they are so delicious, so really lovely to see. And we've been down in Spain this week. We just got back yesterday, and see some of the, the the fruit just really filling out into into all the fullness, and you're reminded of the of the of the. Of the the, the stem of the, the tree that was producing this fruit. Oh, that my life was like that. And it always reminds me, I wish my life was so full of the, the joy, if you like, of, of, of the, the goodness of the plant coming through. And yet it can be, because the Lord says in these verses, it can be, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you will bring forth fruit. And I think it's lovely because he uses the expression, my word. Now, you see the word commandment comes up a few times, but he was talking about his words. And, you know, he ends up talking about them being friends. And, and the idea of his word rather than a commandment, I'd love to depend on Christ's words rather than the commandments. Because the moment I start to depend on commandments, I'm in danger of falling into legalism. If I depend on his words, and my words abide in you, he's saying to his disciples, you've been with me, you've heard my word. It was still a little day, a few days future before those two on the road to Emmaus heard his words, and their hearts burned within them, it said. And it's wonderful to hear the voice of Jesus in our hearts. I, I, I remember years ago, when we were still at Cromwell Hall back in Lemsham, uh, in Manchester, um, and and Mary and I were um, joined up with three other people, and we, we compiled, there was a great lack, we felt, of a gospel, specific gospel hymn book, and the Brethren, if nothing else, are very strong on the gospel. They will not allow the gospel meeting, not to go ahead. But there was no specific gospel hymn book, and, and there was a, a, a hymn that we espied in a hymn book that thought, ah, oh, what a lovely, lovely hymn that is. And It was written by a man called, um, doesn't matter, he was a Welshman. <laughs> he was a Welshman from the valleys. And, and I can remember the first time. have you heard the voice of Jesus softly speaking to your heart? Have you heard, have you felt his presence, glorious? And then it goes on. And, and, and but the, the, the voice of Jesus speaking words intimately into the heart is a very difficult, a very different concept, isn't it, from the commandments? Yes, it's right, and he talks about commandments later, but, but you know, it's wonderful to hear the voice of Jesus softly pleading with your heart, isn't it? Maybe in the middle of the night, maybe at times when you're feeling down, when your branch is wilting, when your leaves are floppy, and there's that still, small voice of calm speaking to your heart. i love to hear the voice of Jesus speaking into my heart. It's the most wonderful thing. And it's the surest proof that we are in Christ when, as a result of that, fruit begins to grow. People say, well, how do I know that my relationship with, with the Lord Jesus is not right. Well, I'll tell you this, you won't bear fruit. You won't bear fruit. If there's some barrier between the the, the fruit-bearing bit of the tree and the tree itself stopping you bearing fruit, then that speaks of something wrong in your relationship or my relationship with with the true vine and I need to get on my knees and seek the answer to it. The surest proof that we abide in Christ is that we bring forth fruit for him. Not for ourselves, but for him, for his glory, because he's done all things well. And it's a wonderful thing to know that in our lives. The Lord Jesus in verse eleven actually he talks about these things. If you just turn he says these things I've spoken to you for for two purposes. One, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I always get a bit muddled with vines and branches and leaves and and all this sort of thing. I I said to Mary before, I find this a really difficult passage to speak from, always have done, uh, because there seem to be branches everywhere, and it's a bit like my life. You can't see the wood for the trees, almost. I, I find it a real a real struggle. But the Lord Jesus, as though sensing that maybe the disciples were feeling the same thing, he said, I want to tell you something. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And what were the things? Well, there were three things he talked about that we've just um, got covered in these verses. Firstly, that... The source of his joy was to be the true vine, the true vine that never failed to bring forth fruit for his father. That gave him fullness of joy. And it gave the father fullness of joy. This is my beloved son in whom I find all my delight. Why? Because he was bringing forth fruit in abundance for the Father. The Father was being glorified in everything he did, and yet he was to glorify him even more. In chapter 17, we have, Father, glorify thy name, And, and, and as though it was culminating at Calvary when the fullness of the glory of God was to be brought about by the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, to be the true vine that never failed to bring fruit to the Father, was one of the first things he said, these things. The second one was to walk, he said, in perfect obedience to the Father's will. This is in verse 10. In perfect obedience to the Father's will. And thus to, to have a perfect plea to be able to intercede for us because we're so failing and we're so weak and our, the gardener needs to be really busy on our lives, doesn't he? But he does it in tender grace because he's our Father, as Margaret was talking about. To walk in a perfect obedience to him. And in all things I came to do the will of him who sent me, said the Lord Jesus. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's the second thing, these things. And the third thing was to abide in the Father's love by keeping his commandments, doing everything he'd asked me, and that asked him to to do and that involved even going to the cross itself and giving up his life as a ransom for many. These things, said the Lord here, I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. In the Father's presence is fullness of joy. Do you have fullness of joy in your life? Can you honestly say that your Christian life is full of joy and nothing else? It's going to be. It's going to be when we get to glory, because the Lord Jesus is the center of it all, and he will be the light and the joy and the very essence of all that God is in heaven. And the God, has given him the, the, God the Father has given him the highest place in heaven that heaven can afford, and you and I are going to be there with him if we know him and trust him. Your joy is going to be full then, but is it joy full today? And the Lord was saying to his disciples, that's what I want it to be. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you. How could he have joy when he was only two or three days, less than that, one or two days, from Calvary? He could have joy because he was fulfilling his Father's will in perfect obedience. If we fulfill, we fulfill his will in perfect obedience, we'll have that joy in our lives even now. But he goes on, so abiding in, 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 in Jesus is necessary for fruit-bearing and having that joy. But the second result in, in verse 7, he said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Why? Because the branch will never disobey the plant. The branch will never disobey the plant. It will always do what the root says it must do. And if we are in perfect alignment with the will of God through the true vine, then we will be in perfect alignment with the will of God, the Father in heaven. Ask what you will and it will be done. Why? Because it will be God's will that it should be done. But it doesn't happen in our lives, does it? Because we're failing and we're weak. But, you know, it's a wonderful thing to think it can happen and it will happen if we but trust him. Because Paul said to the Corinthians, you know, you have the mind of Christ. And if you have the mind of Christ... His will will be done in you. So ask what you will and it shall be done because we're abiding in His love. And these three things that I've mentioned were the source of His joy. And the wonderful thing is He wants to share that joy with you and me tonight. To be the true vine was His joy that never failed to bring forth fruit. To walk in perfect obedience with the Father's will and to abide in the Father's love by keeping his commandments. These things, that my joy, I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And then he goes on, he slightly changes, and he says, this is what I'm telling you now, that you love one another, even as I've loved you. What's the measure? of our love for one another. Well, the standard is His love for me and for you. It was the standard of love that took Him to the cross. That should be the measure of our love. We often love because it suits us, don't we? We, uh, we, we, we can use love as a very nebulous sort of concept, really, and it can get twi- twisted in all sorts of ways, but the love of Christ, Greater far than I've got than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star. It reaches to the lowest hell. And were the ocean filled with ink and the sky with parchment made, the love of God is so great that wouldn't be room to even write a pen. Where every squill on earth, a pen, and every scribe, a try, every (laughs) try, scribe. Mary's telling me the words, by trade. You see, the love of God is so infinite. The love of God is so great. And he lavishes it upon he, each one of us. And that's what he wants us to share with one another. His sovereign grace. His limitless, boundless love. And the Lord Jesus said to them, you know, as they must have been listening, gobsmacked by all they were hearing, but no... Reference yet to any questions or anything. He said, I want you to be my friends. I want you to be my friends. We choose our friends, don't we? He said, I've chosen you. We choose our friends because we like them or because they've done something nice to us. But our friendships can change so quickly. But the Lord Jesus said, I want you to be friends of Mine. Isn't that amazing? Can you think of anything? The Lord of glory, the one who came into earth to give his life, could say to them and say to you, I want you to be my friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Take it to the Lord in prayer. The hymn says, "Wonderful, He's our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, and He wants us to be friends with Him. He wants to be friends to us, but He wants a response from our hearts—that we should be place Him as our friend." I always love it when it said that the Lord, Abraham refers to Abram as friend of God, and I always marvel at that. How can? anybody be friend of god but we are if we abide in him we trust in his word henceforth i call you not servants you're not servants bond servants anymore anyway. you're my friends and i want to bless you and i'm going to spend eternity blessing god. i've chosen you why to bear fruit and that your fruit will remain i've set my eye on you everyone that you might bear fruit for me and bring honour and glory to the Father's name. It's a real challenge. Is my fruit like the, the fig at the end of the tree or the grape that looks a bit wizened? They leave the grapes on to make the best wine, you know, but they don't look very pretty. Is my fruit like that? Is your fruit like that? Or is it in the full joy and ripeness of the summer sun tomatoes look their best when they come from Puglia down in southern Italy where the sun ripens them and they get fat and juicy. Is your fruit like that? Or is it one like the ones you sometimes see in Waitrose where they've got dried out and cracked and horrible? I suspect that all of us have been like that in time. So in summary It's all down to obedience. It's all about doing His will. It's all about abiding in Him. It's all about giving our lives over to Him fully and trusting Him every step of the way, not allowing Satan or the world or the attractions of the world or the things which seem so appealing to come in and and start having their effect. Obedience would bring them into the path of infinite blessing, much fruit. It would be the source of their fruit-bearing, obedience to God. It would bring glory to the Father, obedience to God. It would be the source of successful prayer, ask, and it will be done to you, because you've been in line with the will of God. It would be the secret of their dwelling in the full enjoyment of his love, during the remainder of their life on this earth, until they were taken to glory, when their joy would be full. I can't wait to go to glory. Might have a little while to go yet. What a wonderful day that will be to be with the one who loved me and who gave Himself for me. It would be the secret to their enjoying brotherly love together amongst themselves, not falling out, not bickering, not saying, "Oh, that person again." Get up with it. Heard the voice too often. Finally, it would be the secret of being friends with Jesus. May God grant that every one of us will know what it is to bear fruit for Him, to have Him alone as the centre of our thoughts, of our prayers, of our scripture reading, of our understanding of scripture, of what He's trying to do with us. And may He give us really that burning desire for a closer walk with Him as the days go on until the day glorious day when He takes us to be with Himself. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we we really find it impossible to put into words just how much we owe you for what you have done for us We find it impossible to plumb the depths or to clear our minds of the fact that What's man that you should be mindful of me? Paul could say that he was the worst of all sinners and we could all echo that But Lord, you loved him And so many in scripture who came and just poured out their hearts and their lives Lord, you loved them You gave your life for them You gave your life for us Help us to take your words deep into our hearts by the power of your spirit and like the sap going through the tree may it have that really wonderful effect of producing fruit from the true vine the one who alone is able to bring fruit for God we just thank you we praise you Lord we love you we, we can't say more than that. We love you and, you know, our love is false, uh, is, is, is weak and faltering and, and, and so often we wilt as we felt wilted in the sunshine these last days, but we wilt spiritually. Lord, keep us from it. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face that the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace, we ask it for his name's sake. Amen.